0: Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 13. We're tying up chapter 13. I know we've been here a while. Um, I know we've been in the book of Matthew for a while. Um, I told my wife this morning, I got to kind of step on the gas a little bit here. But sections are going to be a little bit bigger, even as I looked ahead a little bit. Um, but chapter 13, uh, God's speaking to us. He has something to say And so uh, we'll be looking at this this morning. Jesus has spoken parables, and we've been going over those the last uh, couple of months. And as he speaks to them in parables, we we need to remember it's because of rejection. Uh, They had heard clear messages before, but uh, most uh, rejected that. They wanted to see miracles, uh, but... They didn't want to accept truth. They didn't want to listen to Jesus. And in this last section that we look at, he has one small parable left and he asks them about their reception of this. Are they listening to him? And so uh, we'll look at this last section in chapter 13 uh, this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you... uh, from the last the last portion there. Starting in verse 51. <clears throat> God's word says this. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out a. Uh, Out of his treasure, what is new and what is old. When Jesus finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue. So that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and this mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? and are not his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas and are not his all his sisters with us where then did this man get all these things and they took offense at him but Jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own in his hometown and in his own household And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to understand it. Help us to be changed by it. Help us not to resist, but to accept your son Jesus as King and Savior. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you do this as parents, uh, you share your instruction, you share what you want your children to know, and then there's the pause, and then you say, did you understand me? Did you understand me? And the reason you ask that is why? (laughs) Because they haven't listened to you before, right? Right? And they've nodded their head, but uh, you're wanting to impress upon them. You're wanting to ask them again. And you get this picture of Jesus as he has shared these stories, these parables, one right after the other. And he he looks to those, his followers, his disciples, and he asks them this simple question. Do you understand these things? Do you understand all of these things? As, as he asks this... Uh, what would be, um, what would be the right answer? By the way, uh, that's 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 a good answer. When Jesus asks you a question, yes, what, whatever you say, whatever you say. Uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, all the commentators that I read uh, made the point that they said yes, they said yes, but it showed throughout the rest of the records uh of that they really didn't understand everything that Jesus was saying <clears throat> they understand so, so, some of it they they grasp a little of it but uh the the big yes was that our heart is going around this our heart wants this our heart accepts this <clears throat> which brings us to our first point this morning uh is when you consider what Jesus says when you open this book, when you hear preaching from this book, do you say yes? Do you say yes? Are are you, are you saying I am I'm one who embraces the teaching of Jesus? When I when I understand that God has spoken through his word, I say that's for me. I embrace that. That that that's for me. It's not that we, uh, you, you know, if if it was just about reading the Bible, and coming to church, that you could have perfect obedience after that, that'd be great, wouldn't it? But how many times have we known what God required from us? How many times have we heard the words of Jesus? How many times have we known what was written in the New Testament? And still disobeyed. The first step to this is accepting Jesus' word as his word and embracing it and saying, yes, yes. Um, I, I'm not naive enough to know, uh, to, to not think that we have people who come here every week who don't believe the word of God is the last the, the, the last word in the sense of this is the one everyone else throws in their opinions and then God gets the last word. And I, I realized that some of us here today are, are just looking for tips on life and you're taking and picking from everywhere. And part of it is you're picking from God's word and you're kind of putting it all in there together. I want to tell you that is not, that is not embracing the words of Jesus. The, the, the first attitude that we need to have as we come to is, yes, yes, I'm in. I, I need that changing. I, I want you to, um, I, I know I've belabored this, but it's no problem for me to say it again. <laughs> um, when Jesus, as we've looked in the book of Matthew, Jesus was coming in with a, a, a totally different idea. A totally different idea. He he was replacing their own thoughts with his own. He was replacing their own authority and king with him, himself. And, and I want to tell you that this is what Jesus is doing. He's not coming and validating the life that you already have. Jesus, when he uh, when we look at his word, it's not going to agree with us. It's going to disagree with us. And desire to change us in our heart. And and we should say, yes, change me. Yes. Make me different. Replace my thoughts with your own. You have a yes. And they understood, kind of. They had acceptance of what Jesus was saying. As you look down at verse 52, he connects this yes he doesn't scold them and say, no, you don't, but he appreciates their yes. And he, he couples with it this last parable in this section that he wants to give them a little picture of what this would look look like. And I, I titled this accepting new info while clinging to the old. If you look down at at verse 52, you see this. That that he says this little uh, parable, he says, and he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, uh, he, he speaks of scribes and scribes throughout time have been the, the smart, the educated, the well-trained, the uh, ones who know the wise and even the teachers and he says, that type of person, that scribe of the kingdom, of this new kingdom, they're going to be like this. They're going to be like this. And what is it they're going to be like? Um, verse In verse 52, they will be like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. The master of the house... Uh, is the picture it 's the one who's in charge of his household, and it 's if if you would say this, it would be kind of like the banker of the house, the one who knows uh, what the stock is the one who knows what the resources are, and every uh, grand house would have this place, a room or a box, or it, it was the safe it was the safe, if you will it was the place where you put away the valuables that would be used later. And and he pictures this as this head of the household, this one who's in charge, the one who's responsible, probably the one who is wealthy and owns it all as well. But he says this, he says, this master of the house, he is the one, it's just like this, the one who would be the scribe. And I, as I looked at this, I go, I want to be this type of guy. I, I want to be the one that can bring out that which is old and that which is new. You, you look at this and you say, uh, what is he what is this great thing that he is? What is this parable or picture who brings out his treasure what is new and what is old? I want to ask you a quest, uh, question. What's better? What's better? That which is new or that which is old? You don't want to answer, do you? Okay, I'll ask it a different way. What is better, young people or old people? I'll ask it a different way. Do you want an old car or do you want a new car? You you realize this is all a trick question, right? Uh, when it comes to old people or young people, it depends what you're doing, right? Weed whacking? I'll take the young every day of the week. <laughs> right? Uh, if it's uh, going to need some experience, I'll take the old people every day of the week. I, if you want to depends what kind of car we're talking about when old and the new, right? If you say, I'd rather have an old car, I'd say, well, I got a 2005 Saturn view that I would trade you for your new car every day of the week. Uh, pretty much any one new car too. Yeah. Uh, but you, you, you get the, you get the picture here. It does, It's not just a, a thing of old and new, right? Just because something, just because something's old, doesn't make it better. But it, just because it's new doesn't make it better either. Uh, we we can point to examples of that throughout our lives. Uh, just because someone is old, or just because someone is young, it doesn't make them better or worse. And the picture here is this: some of you are, by the way, some of you are clinging to your IBM Select, Selectrics. You know, you you say, I'm going to go write. it. Some of you don't even know what that is. And it's really discouraging to me. It was the fanciest typewriter of its day. It had that ball thing that spun around. It was amazing technology. And yeah, it's so sad to me that some of you don't know that. But uh, the picture here is this, that he says the scribe of the kingdom... The scribe that the one who who follows is the one who has this treasure box, and he stores in it that which he's going to need, and then he brings it out when it's appropriate. You can get the picture out of this: the Old Testament, that which is spoken of in years past. And to the Jewish mind, and even as the ones who were listening in the time uh, Matthew's speaking of, they would have said, so do I get rid of all those things that I knew about uh, the Messiah coming and uh, God of the Old Testament? Do I get rid of all that? Uh, or, or in, And put in its place this new thinking that Jesus says? He says, no, it's not clinging to the old and rejecting the new. And it's not rejecting the old and clinging to the new. It's placing them all in the box together and realizing they work together. In fact, the new is interpreted and helps the old, as well as the old helps you get a picture of this new message. And he says, it's the idea of being able to bring that out and to bring it all together so that the household is blessed. I want to be this type of guy. Or be the one who clings to the things of God, uh, the old and the new, knowing uh, that this is all part of the Lord's plan and His kingdom. Uh, Sometimes we get stubborn and think uh, a new thought uh, is just going to be better just because it's new. We get infatuated with that which is new. And other times we cling to that which is old and realize that we're missing what the Lord has for us today. Old is better, new is better. Uh, The point for um, Jesus in this small parable is this, that both, to cling to both, that which is historic in the Old Testament and that which is this new message that Jesus shares with them, to cling to them both. To accept it, to accepting new info while clinging to the old. And then we go uh, to this last section here, uh, accepting the hometown boy. Um, As Jesus shares this and he gets, uh, you hear in the the scripture, it's interesting. um, In in books that children read, uh, and they lived happily ever after, once upon a time. Uh, the, those are signals of beginnings and ends, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're markers to show you that there's a change in uh, a chapter or a heading or at the end of the book, the beginning of the book. We have one of those at the end of chapter 13, and you'll see them. And uh, you see a movement uh, where Jesus is moving from... Uh, One town to another, but also one section uh, or different time in his ministry as well. It says in verse 53, and when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. There it is. Everything's changing. So he finished the parables. He had spoken to this group. He had uh, been in this area, Capernaum. He had been in this area for a while. And he had done a lot of miracles there. He'd done a lot of teaching there. He'd shared these parables there. And now he's going to move to his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, Jesus comes into his hometown. And what should happen when a great teacher comes into their hometown? Done miracles. Amazing things. They should throw a parade, right? They should throw a parade. They should be excited that he's home. That's what should happen, but that's not what happens. When Jesus had finished uh, these parables, he went away from there. Uh, verse 54 And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and threw him a parade. No, it doesn't say that. So that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not the uh, his mother called Mary? Are, are not his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? Are not his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? We should throw a parade. That's not what is said. You look at this and... Once again, uh, it's about acceptance of Jesus as the new king. You look at this passage and you realize who Jesus is. We, we realize it as we read this. We've, we've read the, the accounts of Matthew up to this point and we see that he can do miracles. He, we can see that his teaching is different and better. We can see that he is this new king. and it's, it's all the fabulous information. And so we're saying, yes, yes. But we realize that the people did not say yes. In fact, they had the complete wrong response. He teaches in the synagogue. Uh, synagogue was the not just the place of worship, but it was kind of the, the center of the community. And we have a lot, we're, we're way more formal uh, than they were in biblical times, and it, he it, it they would have had him come to the synagogue and he begins to teach and people would gather around and they would listen. And as they began to listen, they realized that he knew what he was talking about. This has happened a few times in the ministry of Jesus. When he began to teach, it drew people in and they recognized a few things. They recognized that he wasn't like the other teachers, And that he was wise and right and that he was putting it all together in ways that were unfamiliar. But they knew that it was great. You see this and we don't have any record that he did any miracles in their midst in the synagogue. But he does this teaching and probably the fame of the miracles that he had spoke of and done in the past had followed him. And so maybe they were crowding it. I don't know. Maybe he did a miracle there and wasn't recorded But we get uh, the the thing that stood out to them was wisdom and miracles that Jesus was different. He had power that nobody else had. And so they should have thrown him a parade. They should have listened. They should have said, let's get let's get the whole town here so everybody can hear. Let's get the sick here because it's a great day. Jesus has come home. And yet. What they do um, is they bring up uh, old stories that have nothing to do with who Jesus is. I mean, they do. They, listen to what they, what they say. What, what do they bring up? Uh, they hear these ama- amazing wisdom. They see that he can do miracles. That he has power to do these things. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? What does that have to do with anything? He didn't. What they're pointing out is he didn't get this wisdom from being a carpenter's son. When I hear this, it gets me really excited because I'm a carpenter's son. Not like Jesus, okay? Uh, and I realized that, that he's just saying, a simple man of trade. Uh, uh, someone who... This isn't about carpentry, <laughs> right? He didn't learn this from his dad. He said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Is is not the mother? Is his mother called Mary? We know her. She. This isn't from her. What he, what he's got here? And he says. Then he starts going through family members. He says, "Are not his brothers? These guys: James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. We know those those guys. In fact, he even speaks of sisters. I, I want to tell you that we don't know about all the members of Jesus' family." But this is his hometown and they would have known this. We know about being hometown, right? Those of you who have been here a while, you start going, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. They've got a little brother and that that little brother is in seventh grade. You you start putting things together. Oh, their cousins live over there. You know that those, you know, if you stay in Tehachapi too long, you can get get related to just about everybody, you know. Um, It's kind of... It's a spider web. It's like Google. It just kind of connects you all. I don't know. But um, th- that's what they're doing here. They're bringing up this information. But what I, I think, is, as I read this, if I would read this, I would think, yeah, so we should listen to him. We're, we know who he is. We know who his parents are. We know his family. We're excited that he has this wisdom and miracles. But all that they say is a setup for what is to say this: Jesus is a common villager just like us. He's nothing special. In fact, their response uh, is it's shocking, verse fifty seven and they took offense at him. Why? Why? They took offense at him? The king is before them? The king is speaking, they identify him as having wisdom that they don't have and do miracles that they can't do. And instead of falling on their face and say, give us more, please tell us where, they say, I'm offended by you. I reject you. I want to tell you, um, that's a heart of rejection displayed. It's it's the getting nervous. Oh, what if what if this hometown boy sees fault in me? I want to tell you that coming to know Jesus and accepting Him is giving away your rights to stay the way you are. It's giving it away. It's seeing Him as above you. It, it, It is seeing Jesus as the one that we look to. You know what? Um, sometimes we come to Jesus and we say, "Well, this is just the way we are. This is the way the Boslers are. This is my personality. This is the way I see things." And Jesus says, "Glad to know it. Glad to know it. I've got a different way for you. That's the that's the wrong way. The Boser way is the wrong way. Your personality." Uh, it's not just your personality. It's sinful. It's sinful and you need to stop it. I need to change you. You you may have been doing this your whole life. You may think you've been educated. Well, I'm going to uneducate you in that way. And I'm going to give you a, a new life, a new education. Jesus says, uh, this profound thing that's been quoted often uh, in, in outside of the church. He says this, They took offense, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. Out of all the people that should have accepted Jesus, it should have been his hometown. But instead of embracing him as the king, they said he's a common villager, just like us. He Does he think he's smarter than us? Forget him. And they rejected him. I want you to see the uh, what goes on when you reject Jesus. And it's a very sad verse. It's the last verse of chapter 13. It says this, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Think about that. Jesus was doing many mighty works. He was sharing his wisdom. He was teaching. He was giving people gold when it came to the things of him. They were connecting him with the kingdom. And because of their rejection, it says that he didn't do much there because of their unbelief. I think of our lives and I go, oh, no. Oh, no. Why Why do you maybe not sense that God's working in your life? Maybe it's your unbelief. Maybe it's your clinging to those things of the old, those things that are so ingrained in you, the life that you want, the unbelief that you say, I can do it on my own. Jesus works where people accept him. <laughs> Jesus is involved daily in people who embrace him and say, I want you to work in my life right here. He will not become an unwelcome guest in your life. What's so awful about this passage and really this section is you have Jesus extending his hand in grace and saying, come, come. I'll take you in. I'll teach you. I'll I'll give you this new life, this different life. I'll be your new king. And you you look at this picture and then he retracts it. He retracts it. Oh, you don't want me. Oh, you've got a better idea. And so Jesus leaves. He goes. This morning, I don't have... um, too much to tie up this morning other than this. Accept Jesus as your king. Accept Jesus as your king. And say in your mind and heart, I am wrong. I am wrong. He is right. I am wrong. He is right. In everything. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for your church. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who came. I I pray that these words that we have gone over this morning would penetrate each of our hearts, that we would get used to saying yes to Jesus in every area of our life, that we would embrace him, accept him, that we would want him, that we would listen to him. God, uh, help us to be convicted of clinging to our way of doing things, of our methods, um, God, help us to be the kind of people who follow after Christ and Him being the one we want as our King. Thank you for this morning, and we pray it in the King's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.